I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. On today's Tour Catch-Up. Simona Hallett picks up her third Canadian Open. Karenio Buster catches the biggest title of his career. And Serena Williams announces her retirement from tennis. Kim, today is the 15th of August and we are here to catch up on the week in tennis at Tennis Weekly HQ. We are coming off the back of the Canadian Open with Simona Halep and Pablo Carreño Busta, our two singles champions in Montreal and Toronto. Cincinnati is already underway and of course we have the big news. Serena Williams has announced her retirement from the world of tennis. So lots to get our teeth into as usual. But Kim, before we get into all of that, perhaps the biggest news of all this week... It's been your birthday. It has, Joel, and you're giving all my state secrets away to the (laughs) listeners that I'm another year older. Um, But yes, thank you. And thank you for your birthday present, Mm, which was a lovely... I thought really long and hard about it. Yeah, it was really, um, really personal. Um, It was a lovely (laughs) screenshot of the Cincinnati entry list updates, uh, which was Djokovic uh, out and Nakashima in, uh, which absolutely made my day. You know, that I thought about that a lot. So I, I really hope that you, you appreciated that that gift from me. Oh, I really did. However, Brandon Nakashima <laughs> has subsequently lost. So he's oh, wasted short-lived. his opportunity short-lived. that Novak gave him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, we are we are back uh, for another week. I'm, I'm a year older and uh, hopefully a bit, a year bit, wiser? bit wiser. Yeah, hopefully I know what yeah. I'm talking about. I'm hope, hopefully, because some of your predictions... Uh, last week for the Canadian Open. I mean, mine weren't much better. So I, I actually hope with, you know, being a year older, a year wiser, maybe your predictions will also maybe be a little bit better. Well, I did predict that Jesse Pagula was going to win a title. <laughs> that is very true, actually. I'll give, I'll give you that. Just the wrong one. Actually, I was amazed. The more that Jesse Pagula was getting into the Canadian Open and, you know, she re- reached the semi-finals, I was like, hey, Kim, although I sort of was sort of laughing at... Your initial pick, I had to eat my words a little bit with that run. Yeah, I mean, aside from that, though, I didn't really get anything particularly right. And I'm, uh, yeah, I I mean, I think this this week's also going to be quite terrible, but we'll Mm. we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Um, I mean, let's talk about what we've had happening in Canada over the last week, because like we were saying, Jessica Pagula did well, but she didn't win the title, unfortunately for Pagula fans. But we did have Simona Halep winning again in Canada because she's won this tournament the National Bank Open for the third time in her career now. Loves it. She loves, loves a Canadian court. Yeah, she loves a Canadian Masters 1000, doesn't she? Um, so she won it in 2016 and 2018. She's won it again. This is the first time she's won it in Toronto, though, because previously it was at Montreal. Um, this is actually the first time she's won any event three times, uh, which is kind of a nice little 
tick box milestone for her. But yeah, coming through against uh, Haddad Meyer, 6-3-2-6-6-3, quite a, you know, a topsy-turvy final. And um, yeah, battling through and, you know, tough conditions to uh, to end Haddad Meyer's, you know, brilliant run. But Hallett back on top again, second title of the year, first with her her new coach, Patrick Moradoglu. Yeah, it was a great win for her. Great sign that the the partnership is is going well. And for Simona Halep, she's going to be back into the the top ten biggest title of her career for the last you know couple of years. Um, you know, she really has been you know since that you know capturing that Wimbledon trophy felt like at times she's been in the wilderness. And certainly earlier on this season, there were even kind of talks about retirement. And you know, it just shows I think how far she has come and she's played some excellent tennis throughout the week. She's had some really clinical victories. Um, you know, she had a very good win against Coco Goff in, in the quarters, came through against Jesse Pagula in the semifinals. I think the only disappointment she will have, which was something I, you don't really kind of expect with Simona Hallett, was the number of double faults she was serving um, you know, in the semifinal and in the final as well. Um, she was giving a bit too many freebie points, I think, away on her serve but at the same time other aspects of her game were were fantastic her her movement her aggressiveness I know Jessie Pagula will probably argue against that calling her a pusher uh vocally on on TV uh it was caught but um yeah I think she had a had a great week and it's very very promising to see because Simona Halep's such a great fighter just a great competitor and against Haddad Meyer who you know was having felt like she was having you know history beckon doing things for brazilian tennis that had never been done before in such a you know such a long time but Hallett was able to come through that and despite yeah a bit of a wobble in that second set which i was a little bit surprised by i thought she was perhaps going to run away with it it just shows that Haddad Meyer is a very combative player she's a very game player and even if you know the backs are against the wall she you know likes to likes to put up a fight yeah what particularly impressed me was you know she got off to a really quick start you know going three love up in this final Hallett won six games off the trots take the first mm. set but Haddad Meyer did not let that you know affect her for mentally you know in that second set Haddad Meyer quickly <laughs> built up a four love lead and was able to to get that set so she definitely um is someone that doesn't doesn't go away easily in a match and although she wasn't able to to get the job done you know in in three she was um yeah certainly impressed me and I mean everything that she's done this week you know I have to say when she won those two titles on the trot on the grass I thought okay um this is this is great she's moving on up but can she transfer that to other surfaces you know is she gonna continue this this run of form or was that just kind of a flash in the pan fortnight for her and she's obviously proving that she is is here to stay and she's transferring that good form across um the surfaces and I think you know she's she's getting a a rankings rise as a result she's gonna make uh the top 20 I think going up to about 16 in the world so yeah obviously great reward for all her hard work yeah, I think a question for me as well is, can she translate this form into, you know, Grand Slams? Because remember, we were, we were so much hype around Haddad Meyer going into Wimbledon, you know, given her prowess on the grass courts leading up to it. But then I think lost in, lost in the first round. So again, there's going to be, I think, question marks in terms of how she 
translates this form into slams and maybe she can approach things differently here given you know the learning she would have taken on board um you know during the the grass court season but a player who's again had a fantastic rise up the rankings this season it's really incredible i think how much she has progressed and it's funny that you know she played Simona Halep in this final because they both played each other at the Australian Open at the start of the year and I think Halep won very easily I think it was like two and love and it was very very quick very very clinical Simona Halep was just on the court off the court quick as a flash but here it was such a you know it was such a different occasion and it it was a bit of a shame I think that during that match it didn't really feel like both players were playing great tennis at the same time there were lots of ebbs and flows and and momentum shifts but for Simona Halep it was a a victory I think that was you know long overdue I think it will give her confidence going into the US Open and I think she needs it because you look at her performances uh, at the US Open they've not actually been that great compared to the you know the other Grand Slams which is sort of surprising because I like to think of Simona Halep as a player who she can play very defensive at times uh, from the back of the court. You know, she can feel like an absolute wall. I think Jessie Pegula felt that in the semi-finals and, and was getting frustrated with herself. But at the same time, she can really step on the gas and be aggressive when she wants to. And had admire, you know, plays I think a similar sort of level of of tennis, a brand of tennis. But I think in the final, Halep just had a little bit too much, a little bit too often. And though had admire was able to get on top, you know, during that second set. It was great that Halep, I think, mentally was able to regroup and come back in that third. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, Halep putting herself in in a good position, you know, pre-US Open. This was her first WTA 1000 level final since 2020. So it's been a while. She's been, you know, not kind of competing for for titles at this level. Um, So really nice to see that she's now got this under her belt and, I feel going into the US Open, this could be a really good, um, if she can keep this form up, a really good opportunity. I mean, do you see her as one of the the top contenders oh, for the tough. for the next Slam now as a result of this title? It's tough because you know she's got Grand Slam pedigree. You know she's shown that in the past. It's not necessarily been there. Um, it's not necess- we've not necessarily seen it. I feel you know more recently, but I do think there's an opportunity here for her. We know that the women's draws now are just like, you know, since I think you know, Emma Raducanu showed last year at the US Open, any one of the, the 128 players in the main draw can win it. And I think that's going to open up opportunities for her. I do think there are still question marks over the heat and the elements. And we've seen, for example, um, you know, in Washington, D.C., I think it was, you know, she had to to withdraw because the you know the uh, the weather was was too much for her. it got too too much for her and yes the the, Can- the canadian open uh was you know it was hot at times but it's not i think the brutal heat and humidity you get in in new york city and again i still think there are question marks there in terms of when it is going to be a real a real sweat fest which i'm inevitably going to th- say it is going to be in in new york city how is Simona Halep going to handle that as well as her opponent? Because I think on the court, yeah, she's playing some great tennis. But I do think there is a, still a question mark. I always think back to that match against Cornet at, at the Australian Open, that when weather is a factor, we see that, you know, Halep's game, it's such an attritional game, isn't it, Kim? It's so 
combative, as I said, from the baseline, it's a real can be really punishing on the body at times, and it's perhaps one of the reasons you know she's not played that well, you know, at the U.S. Open, end of the season, lots of miles in the legs already. That again, with her style and her brand of tennis, it doesn't necessarily match up. And when you add in factors like the the weather, yeah, it could potentially be the deciding factor on how far she goes. Yeah, I think that is one of the reasons why she hasn't been at this level, you know, even, you know, WCA 1000 mm. level in the last two years as she has had, you know, I think there was that calf injury and, and other little niggles going on. So I think um, if she can stay fit and the weather's not too bad, I mean, you could say that, mm. I guess, for a lot of players like and we've seen some of the really treacherous conditions that we've had at the US Open over the last couple of years. And and to be fair, in Canada, I felt like wind was more more wind, the kind yeah. of element of choice as opposed to uh as opposed to the heat yeah and we saw Sviontek struggle you know with the wind mm. that loss against Haddad Meyer you know it was very close 7-5 in the third set to Haddad Meyer but I think Sviontek was struggling to find rhythm on her serve Haddad Meyer was was definitely um able to force a lot on the return games and I think the wind was was getting to Sviontek a little bit so um Haddad Meyer you know very um good win for her there I think it was the first time she's mm one over a world number one and I think that compelled her on to, to defeat Benchich yeah. Bishka, get all the way through to the final um so we'll have to see if she can keep up uh, her good form going you know through the rest of the US Open swing I mean it was amazing atmosphere in that final uh, as I said it felt like a real moment for for Brazilian tennis mm. you know they've obviously had uh, you know successes in the past I think the most notable you know with with Gustavo Quetton all those years ago I mean that is a long long time ago so for Brazilian tennis to get someone like Beatrice Haddad Meyer come into the form that she's shown this season reach the final I mean earlier on in that match there was as much as there were chance for, for Simona Hallett there were Brazilians were also out in full force I felt in the crowd so it created a really great atmosphere and again I really really enjoy watching her play she's got such a fearless brand of tennis and even though she may be a little too many unforced errors than she would have liked again she just did not back back down from the the challenge from from Simona Halep and I really enjoyed you know how they kind of fought with each other on the court because I think that Simona Halep is a player that a lot of opponents can get easily frustrated with and actually they end up beating themselves and I think that's what happened to Jessie Pegula in the in the semi-final against Halep I think she was playing great tennis she had opportunities to to break Halep in all in all three sets arguably she could have you know maybe come through with the the victory but I think she just let Halep and her style of play get on top of her and it really kind of affected her mentally and that was ultimately Pegula's downfall but I think someone like Haddad Meyer her approach to the game is is great and she you know had some very very good wins you know throughout the tournament as you said against Sviontek the top seed in the in the third round and also against Karolina Pliskova in, in the semi-finals so I think she's uh, going to be a, definitely one of those dark horses going into the US Open but every game I feel like we're gonna have to temper that expectation given you know we've seen this before on the grass court season and bang she went out in the first round I feel with WTA, if you're in the top 20, you're not really a dark horse now either. So <laughs> Very true. Maybe Very true. how do you define the, the ranking level of a dark mm. horse? I'm not sure. Um, interestingly enough, um, only Caroline Garcia has won more matches on tour than mm. had Admire since the start of June. So just getting a little Garcia <laughs> tit bit of info well, there. Are you, 
I would love to say, I mean, yeah, I mean, great. I, I mean, it's a, a great stat and it just shows that the momentum and the form that, that Haddad Meyer has had in recent months. But a player who has had no form uh, in recent months, who's had a great tournament, Karolina Pliskova, Kim, it's taken a while, but what feels like seemingly out of nowhere, had some very good wins uh, this week. Came through Amanda Anisimova in the second round, 6-1, 6-1. Then Zachary in the third round, all the way through to the semifinals. Um, great to see her back, I think. Yeah, getting getting to places in tournaments where we normally should be kind of expecting her. Because I think it's, it's taken maybe a little bit more time than she would have liked. But yeah, great to see her back. Um, I feel like where, where she belongs in the, in the WTA 1000s. Yeah, we we know that she is is good enough. She's been to the US Open final before. Like we know mm. on her day she can pretty much beat anyone and you know has consistently been in in the top 10 for for a long time and you know she should be up there. Um she's you know it's it's annoying when she's not because we know that she can. <laughs> um so yeah, really good to see her actually. I'm still amazed she's the 14th seed if I'm being quite well... honest looking at the draw <laughs> going I... into this tournament. Yeah. I mean it, does, it hasn't felt like that, has it? No, and I think as a result, we hadn't really considered her in our sort mm. of pr- predictions or, or what have you. I mean, another player had a, a good tournament, um, Coco Goff, you know, fairly decent in the singles getting to the quarters, but winning the doubles and now becoming the WTA doubles number one yeah. in the world, which is fantastic. She's the second youngest woman after Martina Hingis to uh, to reach that that you know prize position at the top of the rankings um obviously she's still only 17 um i know she was doing well in the doubles you know she's been winning titles and had has some really good partnerships you know katie mcnally and now jesse pagula but i hadn't realized she was gonna be you know world number one so yeah really good stuff for uh for coco yeah it's what's amazing she's had quite a few partners it's not just been like one partner i mm. think she's had you know i think maybe four or five over over the last couple of years and i definitely think it shows the benefits as a youngster coming onto the tour to play singles and doubles and i want and i wonder if you know emma radikanu and and dimitri tersnoff at the moment maybe that was tersnoff's you know i think if you look at one of the most clear i think impacts of of tersnoff on on Raducanu's game I wonder if he has been like I think you should be playing more doubles um, because we've seen that you know in the last couple of weeks I think Raducanu is playing with Rybakina in in Cincinnati as well and I think you know you look at someone like Coco Goff it shows the benefits I think of at such a young age just to learn yes on the singles court but also on the doubles court as well and I think it's really really kind of paid dividends and I do think you know they will get to a point where you know she'll become a top player to a point that maybe there's going to have to be a little bit more give and take. But I think Goff is in that sort of sweet spot at the moment where she's getting further enough, further enough in, in the singles. And she's also getting further enough in the doubles that she can sort of balance the two out. But I think she, it certainly shows that you can, you can play both. And I think it, it gives you those benefits that um, could really kind of elevate your game to a point that um, you could become dare I say, you know, a world number one, uh, you know, in both singles and doubles, which is a really rare feat. But it feels like, you know, for someone like Coco Goff, it, it could be something that she could do. And it could be something that could happen to her, you know, in the next next few years, even as young as she is. 
Well, I mean, it's been done before. Players ascending to the top of the rankings in both. And mm. um, so why not? I think absolutely honing your craft on the doubles court can only play dividends uh, on the singles court. Um, and I mean, talking about singles and doubles, we had quite a few players in the, the men's tournament in uh, Montreal who were going deep in both, didn't we? I think Dan Evans and Hubert Herkaz spring to mind. They were both... Uh, up against each other, I think, uh, you know, and, and yes. going deep late nights, playing doubles. And I think that might have been Sir Hubert Hercage's detriment in the final yes. a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think he was on court until past 1am, I think, because of his uh, his doubles match. But yeah, I think it's it's that tricky thing, isn't it, around striking the right balance when you're a top singles player. How much do you genuinely want to invest in, in doubles? And, you know, for Coco Goff, it, it works. And I guess, the, you know, there are differences between the women's tour and the men's tour but you're right I think looking at her cash and you know how he you know fell away maybe a little bit in the in the final against Krenio Busta I do think playing doubles had a bit of a had a bit of a say in that absolutely yeah I mean Pablo Krenio Busta 3-6-6-3-6-3 coming from a set down to uh to claim his well his biggest title of his career we know Pablo mm. Krenio Busta is very good on a on an outdoor hard court, especially in the US. You know, he's reached two semifinals mm. at the US Open. He's also an Olympic bronze medalist. Um, so why shouldn't he win uh, his first Masters 1000 final on a North American hard court um, out in the heat? I think actually looking back, you know, he's, he's, I can totally see why he's he's won it. <laughs> I don't think Nick Kyrgios can, Kim. Well, no, but I was, I was thinking <laughs> in my head, I mean, PCB... Of he he's got to be a better hard quarter than a clay quarter, right? I mean, breaking the Spanish mold, like hard courts are his jam. Mm. I, I mean, he's great on a clay court as well, but hard mm. courts are really where he um he comes to life. I, I would say. Yeah, he is. He is a funny one. He is. He is a Spaniard who I think travels better on on the hard courts, yes, than on on the clay. Although, having said that, Kim, I remember a few weeks ago you know, in Sweden in Bastad, he he dismantled. Diego Schwartzman, six love, six one. So again, I think he's just been playing really, really good tennis recently. And, you know, he's not had the best of seasons. I think he you know, he's dropped down the rankings to, you know, his lowest position, certainly in a good while. Um and, you know, he was really, I think, probably looking at the the hardcore season to really all kind of jumpstart uh, his season and he again had some fantastic wins coming through the draw really clinical wins against quite tough opponents you know he came through um you know, he came through Berrettini in round one six three six two I had Berrettini doing very very well going very very deep in this tournament that didn't happen he beat Yannick Sinner as well Holger Rune um, and then he defeated Jack Draper and, and Dan Evans, the, the two Brits, to, to get to the final. And, you know, he only dropped, um, you know, he dropped his, his first set against, um, you know, against Dan Evans in the tournament. But, yeah, he was very, very clinical up to that point. And I think a big part of that was his yeah, his second serve. Um, you saw that in the final as well. I think he's he protected his second serve so well. And Herkaj didn't win as many points, I think, as he would have liked to on the Krenio Busta second serve. And I think that was a factor throughout the week. And we know him as a player who, again, from the back of the court is an absolute rock. Um, not very easy to break down. A very, very consistent player. And again, I thought that was going to be one of the deciding factors against Herkaj because Herkaj is a player who, on his day, is fantastic. You know, he beat Roger Federer at Wimbledon. And 
when his serve works and you know his serve and that plus one uh you know shot i think he's he is a very hard player to handle but i think also there are times where you know, through his matches his level drops he's not as consistent as maybe someone like a a Karenio Buster is and I think that's what happened in this final and I think yeah maybe fatigue was was one of those reasons but Karenio Buster was just playing some lights out tennis that you know was unbelievable at times there was a sh- there was one shot in particular which I'm sure is going to end up on the highlight reels uh at the end of the season when he chased the ball at the back of the court managed to scramble it in and then ended up hitting a, a winner against Herkaj and um yeah it just shows that he is just a player who it's just, it's just playing very, very good tennis at, at thirty-one at thirty-one years old. Yeah, and he said afterwards, you know, that throughout this year it's been quite difficult for him because he's lost a lot, you know, early in tournaments and to players he really shouldn't be losing to. And mm. but he's he's sort of managed to keep believing that he would get back up there. And you know, he he he's currently at his lowest ranking in in about two years. And obviously, as mm. a result of winning this tournament, he'll be back up to I think 14 in the world which is um you know not far off where he was kind of this time last year and um I think you know with with PCB yeah he's he's very he's very consistent and you know he does get like a big win here or there but what has impressed me this week is that you know he's beaten a number of players on the trot that he you know these are players he needs to be beating week in week week out if he wants to keep on um beating these um you know winning these tournaments and uh I mean he you know also got a win over Jack Draper um so Jack Draper had a great tournament um didn't he getting to the the quarters I think it was and and Dan Evans getting to the semi so you know great week for for British tennis generally as well the one thing about Karenia Buster winning is I mean how how surprised are you by it because (laughs) I think there's an argument to say I mean we had Taylor Fritz winning earlier in the season we've had cam norrie as a as a masters champion we are getting to a point where you know it's not necessarily always a player from the big three or even the you know the big two with 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 djokovic and, and nadal obviously the you know the canadian open for the guys this time around featured none of you know federer djokovic or nadal um how surprised are you the fact that we're getting these winners at a at a at a masters level because yeah, for me, um, it's like it's it's great, and I love seeing, you know, first time Masters one thousands winners. But it's it feels like it's becoming more and more frequent. Uh, whereas you know, maybe a few years ago, it was like, oh, who's going to win it now? Is it going to be Federer? Is it going to be Murray? Is it going to be Djokovic? Or is it going to be Nadal? Well, there's only two of them left in that cohort that could <laughs> win it, really. And if they're not there, mm. then it's anyone's game. Um, I think yeah, PCB is absolutely in that category of players that can grab a, a master's title and you know I've certainly see he's been to I would assume semis of, of masters before and mm. I think looking back it's not not a surprise at all really um I was the one thing I was surprised about was that Herkaj didn't win that final because he had never lost an ATP final going into it you know he was five and oh and actually there's only two men in the open era who have won their first six finals? Um, do you know who those players are? Because I bet you, for a million in a million years, you'd never guess who they would be. Yeah, I've got, 
I've got absolutely no idea, Kim. So, I mean, I, I, this could have been like a par for the course or some some game. But <laughs> I mean, let's put this out there. Ernest Gorbis and Martin Kleejan. I mean, wow. great, great records. Six, you know, six finals, six wins from six finals. Mm. A complete contrast to FAA. <laughs> but um, yeah, obviously Hubert, like a bit tired uh, as well. And, and Pablo Carreno Busta just outplaying him on the day. And Kim, what do you think Nick Kyrgios is thinking? In, in all honesty, because he, you know, has he has tweeted, he has tweeted, and this is the beauty of Twitter that things obviously live forever. But he has tweeted, if Clay didn't exist, dude wouldn't have been close to top fifty. And now we're at a point where on hard courts, Kyrgios Busta has won one Masters one thousand title. It's reached two hard court Slam semifinals. Whereas Nick Kyrgios, he's not won a Masters 1000 hardcourt event and nor has he reached a hardcourt slam semi-finals. So what are you thinking if you're Nick Kyrgios? Well, I I mean, I'm not Nick Kyrgios. I wouldn't want to be. Um, that might be quite a lot. But I, he seems to love accusing people of being clay quarters. I mean, he, didn't he do the same for Kaspar Ruud, mm. uh, saying, oh, he's just winning clay court titles. They don't mean anything. <laughs> we could accuse Kyrgios of being a grass and hardcourt specialist. Um, Very true. Yeah. So it's always funny how everyone's sort of assigned as a clay quarter and people don't say, oh, they're a hardcourter. Um, yeah, I think it just shows that Kyrgios uh, might need to look at stats and, and numbers. I mean, I was expecting a lot from Kyrgios this week, and you know, he didn't, he didn't quite. Were you? I wasn't. Well, I, wasn't. I, th- <laughs> I thought he was going to knack. I, he looked tired. Knackered. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. in in theory, I was expecting a lot, but when when he then lost to to Herkash, um, who seems that third to, set said it all. Yeah, I think. exactly. And Herkash beat him in Haller, and well, you know, seems to like kind of get the better mm. of, of Kyrgios a bit. But um, yeah, I think. Nick obviously needed some some rest. He's played a lot of tennis lately, a lot of doubles as well. So I think um, you know, well, maybe he's fresher for this week. But yeah, I, I would argue that that defeat against Kerkaj maybe will help him in in the long run. I think you know it would have been great. I think if he had you know had continued, he had a great win obviously against the the top seed Daniel Medvedev. Really, really great match, really fun match to watch um, in in the second round. But yeah, I think he just ultimately just ran out of energy and uh, I think this will do him the world of good going into to Cincinnati in the US Open where he's able to have a moment to recharge after you know the exertions of Washington you know before this week a lot of you know a lot of a lot of tennis and in really kind of tough conditions as well we've seen a lot of three you know matches go three hours plus this week on the you know in the men's tournament and in the women's tournament so um, I don't think they were the most favorable conditions um and yeah he still i think played some really great tennis but yeah just i think just gave out on him in the end yeah and understandably so um but other players therefore you know had a had a great week as we mentioned um jack draper getting through to the quarters but significantly getting that win over stefanos Sitspas, his first top 10 win of his career um and he'll be up i think to the top 70 in the rankings next week which is uh fantastic I know, absolutely great, great win against uh, Sissipas. It was a little bit unfortunate, I think, against Monfils. He won through, um, you know, on, on a retirement, but a real landmark, uh, you know, landmark week for him. A landmark, it felt like him a, a landmark week for British tennis, given the 
the results we had with with even Evans reaching the semi-finals. I was wondering if well if he was going to do his own you know Cam Noria at Indian Wells. Great win against Tommy Paul in in the quarters. I did not think that was going to happen, especially after that first set when uh, he lost six one. But uh, yeah, some real great uh, standout performances from the Brits, and um, yeah, that that win against Sissipas for for Draper. I do think he was a little bit helped by by Sissipas. There was a lot of forehand unforced errors there. I think that was over twenty five plus from from Sissipas. So I think he was helped a little bit, but. At the same time, he is going to just get better and better and better. And to see him kind of come onto the the tour at the top level into this tournament as a qualifier, yeah, it's it's very very encouraging, isn't it? It is. It's what you need to be doing, making splashes and waves with mm. those sorts of wins. And um, Brits uh, continuing their success in the doubles as well. You know, Neil Skupski winning the title with with Wesley Kohlhoff. It's their sixth uh, title together and um obviously dan evans getting to the doubles final as well with with john pierce so having a great week all round really but coming up short on titles for dan i mean just on that because we have just had the announcement of the great britain davis Mm. cup team jack draper isn't in there andy murray is in there joe salisbury is in there uh neil skupski isn't in there i mean Based on these results, are you a little bit surprised by that, or you you think that's you know fair enough team to have Norrie, Evans, Murray, and Salisbury? Yeah, I mean Joe Salisbury has won men's double slams, whereas Neil has you know won mixed slams, but not a, mm. a men's double slam. So it's arguably, you know, at the most senior stages, Joe Salisbury is is more proven. Um, you know, he's been doubles world number one. So I think you kind of have to go for Joe. Although of late, Neil, I think, has been the one most in form. I think Joe... It's hard not to go against the, the world know. number one doubles player, isn't it? Exactly. Even though... There's a part of me that I do genuinely think... I do think Skupski arguably plays better with mm. the other players in the team. Would you... I suppose you can't not take Andy Murray, but... Mm, well... I, I mean, it, I just feel that a skupski Salisbury doubles partnership makes more sense i mean where's andy murray gonna come into this because surely mm. nori and evans are gonna play the singles rubbers well yeah i suppose <laughs> i suppose i mean couldn't he just be like a honorary captain along with leon smith i i, I don't know i want to see andy there obviously but I yeah just... it's it's hard because i think i think there's an argument to say you know at the moment jack it would be more beneficial to have jack draper mm. there than andy murray no yeah and also thinking for the future great experience for jack draper Mm. So, I mean, it's a tr- it's it's a tough you know decision when you've got so many good players. We we shouldn't be moaning because we should remember the days where it was just Hemman and Rosetsky and that was it. So it was like who else is going to join? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think um, yeah, but that that'd be interesting to see. And I think obviously Dan Evans for the doubles rubber as well to partner. Mm. His doubles has really come along this week this season, hasn't it? I think there's been a few kind of. If he parts in the in his sing, in the in the singles, yeah, he, he's obviously had a great week this week. But there's been a few tournaments where I think he, you know, has been a little bit disappointing. But certainly, I think one of the highlights of his season so far has been his doubles game because if it's it's not something I really associate with with Dan Evans, but he's been playing some, he's been getting far in 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 you know some very high profile uh, doubles tournaments this season. So it's great to see him again ev- evolving his game 
not just not just based on singles but also building in um the doubles as well yeah and as we were mentioning earlier with coco golf and and other players of course you know mm. it's it's so beneficial to have that that extra time on court the wins the confidence you get from it so keep it up i mean if you can manage it in your schedule of course then um absolutely and, and Kyrgios as well has been doing well on that side of things and he's also like it's benefiting his singles i think so uh, it's a mutual relationship, isn't it? Um, but on that note, let's take a quick break. Uh, but do join us in the second half where we'll be talking about Serena Williams announcing that she is unfortunately due to retire. Uh, the Labour Cups announcement, they've added a players to Team Europe. And also we'll be looking ahead to all of the action in Cincinnati this week. So do not go anywhere. <laughs> Welcome back to Tennis Weekly with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to have a little par for the courts before we um, move on fully. So, Joel, I believe you've got a topical par for the courts, uh, you said, (laughs) for me and our listeners. I do. We had a little teaser earlier, didn't we, uh, before the break? Um, But now we're on to the main course here, Kim. And yes, this is actually, I'm going to give a shout out. This is courtesy of Ben Rothenberg's Twitter. I know he's a very divisive uh tennis personality on on twitter but uh, he's got a great stat on his twitter at the moment um that is going to be my basis for par for the courts for you and our listeners this week okay and you said we teased it before the break so well no you gave you gave me your little par for the courts teaser with oh, that Ernest Gulbis I thought it was something that I'd missed here okay oh well actually you when I say the topic you're actually gonna there's going to be an immediately obvious answer to it. Is it not Ernest Gulbis then? And it's not Ernest Gulbis. <laughs> no, it's not Ernest Damn Gulbis. it. Okay. And Sorry. it's not Martina Hingis either or Coco Goff. I bet, um, I bet one of the answers is going to be Federer, Djokovic, Nadal or Murray. <laughs> if it's that obvious. Well, interestingly, it's not. Oh, okay. What is it then? Okay. So my question or my topic for you and our listeners this week is... I would like you to name me as many as you can of active single ATP Masters 1000 champions. Oh, so players who have only won one Masters 1000 title. And there are 12 in total. So active players are 12 in total. I could give you their nationalities, but I think that would be maybe be a little bit easy but i'm going to give you some lives because i know i've been a little bit i've been a little bit frugal on my lives i think recently for path of the court so i'm going to give you i'm going to give you two lives but i want to see you get seven out of 12 over 50 percent oh okay seven out of 12 i think hmm what year is this going back to? Is it the ni- 1990 or when they, they first started having them? List of active players. So they're all on the tour at the moment, playing on the tour. Um, current players, not retired. Yeah. Okay. 
I think seven is, yeah, if you're, yeah, okay. Oh, active players, yeah, of course. Okay, if anyone is go- still going from 1990, <laughs> well, hey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they've not got Roger Federer levels of uh, no. longevity, yeah. <laughs> okay, right, yeah, let's let's do it. I've got a few up my sleeve. I'll, I'll do my best to get seven. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay, right. I'm going to give you, as I said, I'm going to give you two lives as well. So mm. there's, um, there's a safety blanket for you as well, because I'm feeling nice tonight. Right, number one. No, the thank, heat is thank doing you. funny things. <laughs> it's making the heat you is doing funny things. incredibly generous. Uh, and, and like <laughs> this your is your birthday. birthday. <laughs> Wait, no. This is your. This is your birth. This is your actual birthday. Oh, present. thanks. That's um. <laughs> absolutely fantastic. Because Nak- Nakashima's lost. Um, well, <laughs> okay, right. Number one, um, uh, Hubert Hercage. Correct. Yes, won Miami last year against Yannick Sinner. Number two, Pablo Carreño Buster. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yes, of course. Won this year's Canadian Open. Number three, Taylor Fritz. Correct. Yes, Indian Wells earlier this year. So that's three. Um, number four, Cameron Norrie. Correct. Yes. Again, Indian Wells last year when it was in, what was it, in November? Mm-hmm. Um, yep, he is on the list. So that's four. So, you, Kim, you're already three away, over 50% there to par for the course. And you still got two lives to play with. Oh, Now, I've got a couple up my sleeve, but I'm debating whether they've actually won more than one. So I'm just trying to think of rogue answers. I think going back, oh, is this person active? I think they still, oh no, they retired recently. Oh no! Oh, Jack Sock just suddenly thought he won Paris, didn't he? A few years ago. Correct. Yes, very good. Yes, Jack Sock is on the list. And uh, five, five, two away from par for the courts this week. Possibly this person, uh, Diego Schwartzman. Would he have won a clay, clay one at some point? incorrect that is one of your lives gone kim diego schwartzman not on the list okay Uh, andre rublev i think he might only actually have one masters or does he have any Mm. no he might not have any i'll stay him anyway andre rublev yeah incorrect kim you've lost both your lives oh no okay oh it's got very difficult very very quickly hasn't it it really has there are some players here um that you will these are classic players some some players might surprise you actually oh um i've got one i've got one john isner he won uh, indian wells back in yesteryear correct john isner it was miami but yes, oh, okay. I will take that as a, a right answer. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's very tense here now, Kim. You're on. I've got one more to get, right? You've got one more to get to reach par for the court. So I'm considering someone like Kevin Anderson. Um, also considering um, Joe Wilfred Songer, because I'm sure he won Paris a few years ago. But I think officially he is now retired. So, oh, uh, maybe there's a Spaniard in there. Mm. Lopez. Oh, um, David Ferrer. Oh no, sorry, he's not active. Ah, um, hmm. Oh, 
This is hard. I'm gonna have to say there are no span. S- there are no Spanish players. St- Stefanos Sitsipas, because I know he won Monte Carlo, but I think he might have won two of them. But I'll just say him anyway. Sitsipas. Mm. <laughs> Incorrect, oh. Kim. Oh. No, not a correct answer. So close. So so close. Six, not seven. Six. Oh. Yes. So, any any other any other ideas or? Um, I'm just trying to think of who might have won like a rogue Cincinnati or Paris. It's usually those ones that mm. people sometimes grab. Yes. Yeah. Oh, nah. I, um, oh, Dominic. No, Dominic team might have won more than more than one. Well, Dominic team is a correct answer, oh, Kim. Gosh. He's only won one Masters 1000 event um, in Indian Wells as well. So. Yeah, I'll kind of, I'll go through the answers. As you said, Karenio Buster, Dominic Team, Cam Norrie, Jack Sock, Hubert Herkaj, John Isner, all correct. You could have also had Marin Cilic. Oh. Grigor Dimitrov. Oh, okay. Fabio Fornini. Oh who yes. Won in Monte, Monte Carlo. Carlo. Yeah. Um, there was another rogue player who won in Paris. Karen Kachanov. Oh, yes, of course. And the final one you could have given me, and perhaps the most surprising, Stan Vavrinka. Only one? Okay. I yeah, thought he might Monte have Carlo. won a few. Yeah, I remember he beat Federer in the final, I think. Mm. Oh, Monte Carlo has thrown up a few surprises. So those are your 12. Karenio Buster, Cilic, Dimitrov, Fonini, Fritz, Herkaj, Isner, Kachanov, Nori, Sok, Team, and Vavrinka. There you go. Great, great path for the court. Thank you, Joel, for surfacing uh, those 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 names. Uh, there's more than I actually remember. So, yeah, very good. Um, we've got a lovely question now for the mailbag, which is making me quite hungry for my dinner um, because um, we had um, Brian getting in contact with us on email who asked us. Um, it's a Jensen Brooksby related question. Some of you may guess what this is. He said, after Jensen Brooksby got filmed eating a burger during a mid-court changeover in Montreal, um <laughs> I'd love to know what your fast food of choice would be if you were feeling peckish in the middle of your match. Um, I think we've had a similar question before because I remember there was like a German player who bought like noodles onto court once uh, to eat <laughs> and it kind of sparked a bit of a debate. Mm. But I mean, fast food specifically. We also had those terrible Australian open adverts like a few years <laughs> ago. With, for, I think it was for like Uber Eats or something and Nadal was ordering like some really specific like food onto mm. the court um or, and we've all, obviously obviously had you know marcus willis previous guest on the show he got papped having a, a can of coke and a, and and a, a mars bar, bar i think yeah yeah, mars yeah. bar exactly <laughs> so uh he's jensen booksy isn't the only one is he no he's not and um i mean what about what would you go for i think if it was something like a five guys burger i quite like a five guys oh that would be good you can customize yeah. it i always yeah. have like what are you having in it what how are you customizing it i always have um mushrooms and um Ooh. what do i have ketchup mushrooms and fried onions i don't have much more than that obviously the, the meat itself um okay. yeah like, like some mushrooms in my burger what, what about you i i'm I would be going chicken wings. Oh, yeah. oh yes. Give me the chicken wings. Yeah. And so maybe some hot sauce. I mean, yeah, maybe maybe not best for like middle of a match, but I think it would definitely it would definitely warm me up inside. 
Um, if I'm in like a, on a cold, if I'm playing a tournament that's in a cold destination, maybe I'm on like an indoor court and there's like three people watching and I just need to sort of spice the occasion up a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get some hot wings in. Yeah, uh, yeah. I like the Korean fried chicken that you get. That's really good. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, also, yeah. any of our listeners who are London-based, if you go to Borough Market, there's a really good taco place, um, which I absolutely love. <laughs> I've been having a few of their little tacos for lunch uh, <laughs> when I'm at work. So I would maybe, yeah, order from, from them. But you might have to just be at Wimbledon or somewhere local for that. Or Queens, yeah. <laughs> Queens just... would be more likely, yeah. Phone it in from Bar Market. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh gosh, this is making me hungry, Joel. So, <laughs> um, so let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> so Serena Williams, let, let's talk about Serena Williams because it came out, I think, shortly after we recorded last week, actually. Um, she didn't time it very well for the, for our, <laughs> our podcast last week. But um, she has unveiled that she... Uh, well, in an interview with Vogue magazine, um, that she is going to evolve away from tennis, in her mm. words. So, um, she doesn't she doesn't like the term retirement. Uh, she said it doesn't feel like a modern word to her, and that the best word to describe what she's doing is is evolution. So she's moving on in a different path to other things, basically, which is essentially retirement, and that will be after the U.S. Open. Um, are you surprised at this news? Is this kind of what you expected, given the fact we haven't seen much of her and, you know, she's yeah. played Wimbledon and she's playing the US Open. It, it seems like the right time, does it not? Yes. I think you look at her performances on, on the tennis court. I think you just need to look at that match against Belinda Bencic to really honestly put that Serena Williams is not competitive, I think, at the, you know, the very top level of the, the WTA Tour. I don't I don't think, to be honest, we should be expecting her to be competitive because it's it's incredible her longevity to have have lasted this long but um yeah at the same time it's obviously a very sad moment I think it's a moment that a lot of people would have felt coming and I think you know it's nice that we saw her you know as British fans at Wimbledon given you know how it had ended the you know the, the previous edition and really kind of kind of do this almost like celebration and you know just have this sort of one last time feeling um you know from from tournament to tournament so i quite like that it's been announced in advance i'm sure the tournament organizers as well have uh, been quite happy about that decision but um yeah it's it, it's sad um i think you know obviously all good things come to an end and you know for serena williams this is she's been such a, a cornerstone of the game for for so long and unfortunately, you know, her legacy has already been cemented. I don't think we're going to be talking too much about these these final results in her career with with any kind of significant note. But it's uh, it's going to be emotional. You know, it's going to be highly emotional. The fact that she's still playing, having made this announcement. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's the right decision if you base it on performances alone. Yeah, and we won't be seeing. Uh, the last of her I'm sure she's gonna be involved mm. you know in tennis in some capacity like she's obviously a superstar and she's gonna be I'm sure involved in lots of things um you know her her Vogue cover looks fantastic as well like she's such a you know she's she's a mega star isn't she so she's gonna be mm. out and about doing I'm sure she's got a million and one plans and things so I'm sure um you know, we'll still see what she's up to. And, and yeah, it's really sad. I mean, it's just made me think, what, what's Venus? I mean, Venus is still going and she's older. Is Venus going to 
finally hang up her rackets as well or I mean she's not kind of going for like a massive uh record as she she hasn't been you know so it's probably a bit more recreational for her but I don't know I wonder if, if it will mean Venus also kind of finally goes as well we'll see yeah I think it would be nice I think you know one of the you know the one of the the biggest highlights of of both their careers you know was how they broke onto the scene playing doubles together you know all those years ago back in the what was it I think back even back in in the 90s as as youngsters so I think there would be some nice storytelling and it would be a really poignant moment I think if the US Open did end on you know a Serena Williams Venus Williams last hurrah in the in the late in the ladies doubles I think that would be a, a really nice touch. Um, be fascinating to see if that happens. But as you said, it is amazing that, that Venus Williams hasn't made some sort of announcement yet, given that she's the older sister. Um, and, uh, you know, she's, she's still going. She's taking wild cards, you know, I- I- into tournaments. But, um, yeah, for Serena, I think there will be... Oh, for me, there will be kind of disappointment that she didn't beat, you know, Margaret Court's record. I think there have been opportunities for her to to do that um and even you know, as she's got older and not necessarily been at the peak of her powers I think there have been moments where maybe she didn't necessarily need to be but I think how the game has evolved and you know the 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 tour particularly the the women's tour becoming you know more and more physical and I think you've you've seen with Serena how you know she's been around so long that all of the people she's inspired and have taken her as a role model to get into tennis and have based her game off how you know how she she has played and, and won and the fact that she's gone and, and played with those sorts of players I think you know is tantamount to her legacy but at the same time has showed well actually there's younger and fitter versions of me out there now and sadly it's got to a case where we're expecting them you know when they step on court to be the favorite I think against you know Serena Williams and again I think it just shows that from a performance perspective although some people might not like it it's 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 it feels like the right you know the right moment now yeah I, I couldn't agree more with you Joel on, on that front and um you know we saw her this week kind of getting one win but losing to uh Benchich quite comfortably so if you know I, if, I feel with Serena if she's not able to really compete at the top there's not really much point in uh hanging around um I know that sounds a bit you don't want to tarnish blunt. <laughs> yeah you don't want to tarnish I think your greatness your, your legacy mm, or yeah. it's a little bit like I always like to think of it like you know Robert De Niro in films where he's done all these iconic roles but it feels like the last 20 years or whatever he's just done he's just cashed in and done all these really <laughs> terrible all these really terrible comedies and uh, no I think you know certainly Serena Williams legacy is, is you know firmly intact and um you know I I don't think she's got that much more left to give on the court but that's not to say that you know we're not we're going to see her never again and I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see you know what this evolution is you know is it going to be into the world of fashion I think it's quite interesting she announced this through Vogue magazine I know she's got deep ties with you know Anna, Anna Winter but um, the you know the editor of, of Vogue but um, yeah it'll be fascinating to see how she kind of develops into the the next phase of her life absolutely I'm, I'm looking forward to more uh, Hollywood references by the way Joel oh, okay yeah. okay I enjoyed that Robert De Niro <laughs> one <laughs> um, let's talk about the Labour Cup because it's coming up in September 
Team Europe has been fully announced now. So we had Stefanos Sitspas and Kasper Rude added to the lineup. They're in very big company along with the big four. Um, and then we're still waiting on two for Team World. Got FAA, Taylor Fritz, Diego Schwartzman, and Jack Sock so far. Um, I mean, who would you, A, like to complete Team World? And then, I mean, what do you make also of, of Sitspas and Rude? Are you disappointed that there's no not, no one else there for Team Europe instead? Anyone else you were yeah. hoping? It was uh, yeah, well, it, interesting one. I, I don't, you know, obviously we don't know the situations. I would have loved to have seen Alcaraz and Sinner mm-hmm. um, yeah. as opposed to Sitspas and Rude. But, um, you, know, be- you know, beggars can't be choosers. That's still a very, <laughs> very, very strong team. Arguably, to a point, I would actually say Andy Murray is probably the the weak link. Um, God, we're really having a go at Andy Murray tonight, I know, aren't we? I know. <laughs> I'm a big Andy Murray fan, and I've just gone and said that. You shouldn't be in the Davis I, Cup. You shouldn't be in the yeah, Labour Cup. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, arguably, you know, having the big four then does, to me, have, you know, open the door maybe for Team World, given, you know, you've got... Pl- You've got aging players there, you know. You've got Federer and Murray. I don't know what their involvement is going to be. Is it going to be like a token doubles match? You know, one would think you can't necessarily have that across two players. Um, so, you know, Andy Murray, it feels like he's going to play the singles at some point, particularly given it's in in London. Um, but yeah, well, I actually wonder if having the big four there is a little bit of an open door to to Team World, who I know they've on paper not necessarily got the the highest quality team and yes it is obviously away from home as well for them but you know I think if they see someone like Andy Murray in the draw Roger Federer who hasn't played for for so long then I think you know they they might feel like they've got a chance here yeah I mean I think that's that's actually a really good shout they can't do as worse as they've done I feel feel like over the last few years where it feels like they've just got like one tie or maybe two at most I think it was about Um, 11-1 last time so yeah they can't do mm. much worse so um I I think actually that's a really good shout I think FAA Taylor Fritz bit bit more legs on them you know a bit fresher than 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 Federer and and they've got doubles players that I mean they've got Jack Sock who's a proper doubles players there you know there's an argument to also say with Team Europe there's no doubles players uh, in that in that lineup, which it it could be a factor. It might not, but you know, if if I'm Team World, I might be looking at my last two picks and thinking, you know, who is out there that is a good singles player, but also is can be handy on a, on a doubles court. And I am thinking John Isner, you know, yeah, John Isner, Riley Apelka, big servers. Mm. I'd like to free. I'd like to see Francis Tiafo there. I think he's a a real entertainer. I think he's absolutely tailor made um for like a, a labor cup environment so um yeah that's those are the sorts of players i'd, I'd be potentially looking at i'm sure the organizers are just hoping maybe kyrios i mean just mm. i think well. he's announced that he's not going to be oh there. He's, he's definitely out mm. okay fair enough well in that case um let's quickly move on to cincinnati though because um we well we've got this obviously getting underway as we speak right now uh Maybe let's just quickly do some predictions, shall we, Joel, uh, for the for the draws. Obviously, Rafa is back. Big talking point. Um, he'll be aiming to try and win his second title in Cincinnati. This hasn't been particularly uh, you know, prolific in terms of titles for Rafa, it's fair to say, over the years. Um, Norrie's got an interesting opener against Holger Rune. Andy Murray is currently on court against Stan Wawrinka. Oh, so is Cameron Norrie. They're, and incidentally, both of them... Both won their ti- first won set tie-breaks. Won the first set tie-breaks. Yeah, how brilliant. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and Xiaomi Munoz against Baron Chilich. Oh, brilliant! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where's your thoughts at with mm. um, with these th- th- this this draw? Uh, there yeah. are some cracking first rounders: Tommy Paul, Jensen, Brooksby. That's a good one. Mm. Love, uh, yeah, love that, love that matchup for for Americans. Ben Shelton also on a wild card, which we we spoke about earlier. I'm excited to see what he does. Um, it's a bit unfortunate because Jack Draper did so well in Canada. Um, it basically meant that he wasn't able to get into the draw for Cincinnati, which was a bit unfortunate. Andy Murray just got in by the, the skin of his teeth. But um, yeah, in terms of my predictions, very quickly, semi-finals, I'm going Medvedev, Tiafo, Nadal, Rude. I've got a Medvedev, Nadal final, and I'm going to say Medvedev is going to get one over uh, Nadal in the final. Um, yeah, I think... I think Medvedev might have a little bit of a, a rematch with uh, Kyrgios in the quarterfinals. I think Kyrgios is going to recharge his batteries and I think Medvedev is going to bounce back. Um, it wasn't great, by the way, to see him being called out as a loser um, after his match against Kyrgios in, uh, in, in Canada. He, you know, he confronted a fan and I think that was absolutely fair enough. Um, he wasn't going to back down. Um, it was, you know, I enjoyed to, I liked to see that, but I think he's going to also bounce back on the on the tennis court. Um, and I think, yeah, he's going to end up, he's going to end up as my Cincinnati men's champion. Okay, I've, I'm going similar. I've got, I'm going for Medvedev as well for my champ. I've got a slightly okay. different semi-final lineup. Yeah, you've not got Nadal in your semi-final uh, lineup. Well, What's that about? It's his first tournament back. I'm easing him in gently, and I've gone for <laughs> FAA. Um, you know, who played very well against him at the French Open. Ooh, where's Uncle Tony going to well, sit him? <laughs> well, Uncle Tony will obviously be supporting Rafa deep down. He'll be sitting right <laughs> down the middle, Kim. He'll have gone out for a burger uh, inspired by <laughs> Jensen Brooksby <laughs> with his mushrooms. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I've gone for Berrettini as well. Medvedev Berrettini semi-final Ooh, okay. and then Rude FAA with a Medvedev uh, FAA final. Um, yes, I mean, I know that's a bit rogue because Berrettini did nothing in um, mm. Canada, but there we go. I feel like, you know, we know he's great in on an American mm-hmm. hardcore. Yeah. You know, he's been yeah. to the semis of the US. So I, I feel like some players not done so well last week. They're going to shine this week. Um, on the women's side of things, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Sviontek can go deeper in this um, tournament. And I guess, you know, obviously we've got all the players in the draw. But I mean, one of the cracking uh, matches that we've got scheduled is Serena against um, Emma Raducanu, uh, which I'm really pleased that they get to play before before Serena retires i think that's that's great emma's got that in there just before <laughs> i know the draw gods have been very very good to us um quite interestingly it was scheduled for monday um but due to i think some injury concerns it's now been pushed to tuesday it was a little bit of an own goal from the tournament organizers because they as soon as this got announced they were like yep yeah, this is going to be the monday match so you know lots and lots of tickets were sold and then they have moved it so i don't know if there's going to be some you know irate fans looking for refunds there but um i yeah not not sure but having said that great match up it feels like one of those matches kim where it's you know is it i'm i feel like i'm hyping radicanu up uh, too much here but it could be a passing of the baton moment maybe oh that's mean, it's bold just, words joel is that too bold is that too bold maybe that's too bold well, no i mean go go for it say it um but ooh, yeah, you don't agree. You don't agree. I don't agree based on what we've seen. If 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 Emma had yeah. like 
blitzed her way through tournaments this mm. year as well, may, maybe. But I, I, I don't yeah. think she's going to rack up 23 slams. But, but, well, you know. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to, pa- let's be honest, it is hard to pass that baton, <laughs> isn't it? There is only one um, Serena. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so who, right, before we get into our predictions, what are you going for in that Serena Raducanu match? Seven, five, six, four to Emma. So I, I still think she's going to win, but just because I think she's going to be quicker and more on it than Serena. Mm, yeah. Um, it could be three sets. Oh, it's, it's. I'm going to go. I'm going to go I'm going to go Radicanu in three. Mm. I, she just loves big occasions. I think she that's true. Rises her, yeah, she will. She rises rise her game mm. and. Yes, I think Serena will be pumped as well. But yeah, I'm going Radicanu. In terms of my semi-finals, I've actually got Goff Halep, Pliskova Osaka, and I've got a Halep v Osaka final with Simona Halep winning. I think she's going to do the double, Kim. I have also gone for that. Uh, we're just copying each other. Um, I've gone slightly differently there. I've gone Goff against Halep and then Pagula Rogers with a Halep Pagula final. But with Halep okay. winning, um, I think Pagula's going to continue her good form. I think Coco Goff's going to also continue her good form. Shelby Rogers as well. Um, yeah, I think that's a decent lineup. I mean, it's probably not going to happen. They're, Halep will probably lose in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I mean, we'll be back next week, obviously, to uh, to round it all up. Hopefully, we're in for a cracking week of of tennis. Um, you know, it's one of the most interesting weeks in terms of being able to ascertain who's going to you know, peak at the US Open in a couple of weeks' time. It's uh, one of the, the last weeks for some players before they, they go off to New York. And I think we can always guarantee it's going to be an absolute scorcher in Cincinnati. I think it always throws up some of the most hard, con- hard some of the hardest conditions, I think, tennis players have to play in um, on the ATP and WTA tours. So we'll have to see if that is a factor. But as Kim said, we will be back next week at Tennis Weekly HQ to wrap up on all the action in Cincinnati. So make sure to subscribe to us on whatever device you listen to us on. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major podcasting platforms out there. You can also listen to us on the downloadtennis.com app. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Tennis Weekly Pod. So do give us a like and a follow if you don't already. Tell all your friends about us um, who may want to get involved and take a listen in the run up to the very exciting US Open just around the corner. Um, You can also get in touch via email, tennisweeklypod at gmail.com. So do let us know all your thoughts, comments, feedback and any questions you may have for the mailbag. And don't forget to check out our website, www.tennisweekly.co.uk. And we will be back next Monday at Tennis Weekly HQ for our latest tour catch-up to look back on all the action in Cincinnati. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We will see you again soon.